AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. USDA delivered the monthly supply and demand report with some mild surprises for corn and wheat, and I think we can include cotton on that list. Soybeans, no changes, no surprises in the U.S. numbers, but USDA is already digging in its heels on South American crop estimates. Buyers rolled back into the cattle complex at the end of the week, and hogs followed to the upside. Live via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll have Chad Hart from Iowa State University, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Big Apple Joe Stackler. Well done, buddy. That's what you get when you give him about mm, six seconds notice. That, oh, yeah, hey, bud, you got to help out with the open here this morning, or this afternoon. Good stuff. Thanks, man. And welcome to AgriTalk. Beautiful. Beautiful afternoon here in northeast Iowa. It's about 53, 54 degrees. We got blue sky, a few scattered clouds, got a shot of sunshine over the lunch hour, and uh, feeling pretty good, feeling pretty good coming at you. Davis is taking the afternoon off, and I might as well mention this right now. Uh, I am going to be taking next week off. I'm getting away from the studio. I'm getting away from the office. I'm going to spend time nearly in isolation in the timber, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Just going to kind of shut things down, recharge, and rethink my way into the end of the year, into uh, the start of 2024. Man, that's getting close. Unbelievable. Uh, Glad you are with us, and I'm glad that we've got Chad Hart with us. Chad is uh, having a busy day. Really busy day. Looks like he's been at some meetings in northern Iowa. We'll find out what Chad learned at those meetings here this afternoon, this morning. Uh, and then, of course, we will get his take on what uh, uh, the changes to the supply and demand estimates for corn, for wheat, might mean for those markets going forward. And then soybeans, no change in the carryover, but... You know, there's some other issues that we're going to have to discuss with Chad and try to figure out what it means for for the bean market for the remaining 2023 crop and, and any sales that need to be made there. And probably more importantly by now, uh, what it means for the 2024 crop, uh, acres in the U.S., potential demand for that crop where the expansion is going to happen and so on. So looking forward to the conversation with Chad coming up here in just a little bit. Okay, let's get to the markets. March soft red winter wheat opened slightly lower, pushed up to test resistance at yesterday's high of 645, then pulled back to post a low-range close. That broke the eight-day string of higher closes in March SRW futures. Early this morning, the sale of 110,000 metric tons of U.S. wheat for delivery to China uh, in the current marketing year was announced. Then at 11 o'clock Central Time, USDA released the monthly supply and demand report with a 25 million bushel cut 
to estimated 2023-24 wheat carryover to 659 million bushels. USDA increased estimated SRW wheat exports 30 million bushels and cut projected white wheat exports 5 million bushels for the net 25 million bushel bump in expected shipments. March HRW wheat futures were six and a half cents lower at 661. March SRW wheat down 10 and a half cents to 631 and three quarters. March spring wheat closed at 729 and a half, down seven and three quarters cents on the day. Now, on the week, some nice moves in the SRW market. March contract up 29 cents. March hard red winter wheat futures up 14 and a quarter cents. And because of that seven and three quarter cent drop in the spring wheat market today, the March spring wheat ended the week down three quarters of a cent. So we, we've been talking about the consistency of the rallies and the closes above the opening range and the, the, the low range open, high range close in the wheat market all week. So 29 cents up in that SRW market, it's certainly hinting that uh, it is has, has work to put in a low. Early this morning, USDA announced the sale of 165,000 metric tons of U.S. corn for delivery to unknown destinations in the 2023-24 marketing year. In the supply and demand report from USDA, estimated feed and residual and food, seed, and industrial use were unchanged from last month, but USDA increased projected exports 25 million bushels to 2.1 billion. That trimmed 2023 corn, 2023-24 corn carryover by 25 million bushels to 2.131 million bushels. By the way, that was 21 million bushels below the average pre-report trade estimate. March corn futures opened slightly lower, rallied through resistance at 490, then fell back to post a low-range close. March corn futures two and a half cents lower at 485 and a half. May corn down two cents to 497 and a half. July corn futures closed at 506, down two cents on the day. It was all over the place this week, right? And on the week, March corn up three quarters of a penny. And July corn was dead steady on the week at 506. USDA this morning had a bean export sale to announce as well. 136,000 metric tons for delivery to China in the current marketing year. January bean futures rallied to score a new high for the week and then retraced all those gains to post a low-range close for the day and on the weekly charts. In the supply and demand report, USDA made no change to the supply or demand side of the balance sheet for soybeans. That left carryover unchanged from last month at 245 million bushels. USDA did cut Brazil's current year bean crop estimate 2 million metric tons to 161 million. But that was offset by a 2 million metric ton increase to last year's Brazilian bean crop to 160 million. Soybean oil futures refused to follow crude oil futures higher today and lower bean and bean oil prices even pulled soybean meal lower into the close. On the day, January beans seven and three quarter cents lower at 1304 March beans down seven and a quarter to 1323 and May beans closed at 1337 and a quarter down seven cents on the day. 
On the week, January soybeans down 21 cents. March beans down 22.5. March bean oil down 117 points. And March bean meal down $8.80. USDA updated the 2023 cotton crop estimate slash 310,000 bales from the crop, but that didn't do anything to support prices. March cotton 115 points lower at 81.44. On the week, March cotton up 202 points at 81.44. February live cattle, and we'll talk about the cattle market uh, at the end of the show today. February live cattle, $3.20 higher, 165.72 and a half. April uh, live cattle futures up 335 to 169.30. January feeders jumped $5, two and a half cents. February hogs were a buck 20 higher today at 68.97. And on the week, February live cattle down $3.40. January feeders up 87 and a half cents. And February lean hog futures down $1.12 and a half cents. We're talking USDA reports. Chad Hart from Iowa State, up next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. On your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device, AgriTalk is live every weekday. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us on this Friday afternoon. USDA report day and helping us to break it down is going to be Chad Hart, Iowa State University Extension Crop Marketing Specialist. Chad, welcome back to AgriTalk, my friend. How are you? Chip, I'm doing well. How are you today? Doing real good. You sound great, man. Sounds like you're sitting right next to me. Well, I'm trying. I, I got back into the office. As you mentioned, I've had a busy day, but yeah, yeah you went to the office just in time for this. Yeah, you've had a very busy day. Where were you? Up at my one of my favorite towns, Manly, Iowa. Nice. That just sounds good, doesn't it? We're in it Manly, does. Iowa. Yes. So absolutely. up there for a crop clinic and had a really good showing up there with, with a bunch of farmers. We talked to Actually, they had me on right as the report came out, so we pulled it up live and discussed it. That's fun, you know. isn't it? Oh, it's a ball. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you learn up there? Well, I, I think I learned, you know, in this case, you know, as as you read through, you know, what everything USD gave us, mm-hmm. I, I'll describe it this way. Whether you were looking for things to go, you know, prices to move up or down, you found a nugget of information in here to help confirm where you wanted to go. Mm-hmm. 
There were some things that are, are pushing higher as we look at like the export potential on the feed grains at the same time too. We're seeing plenty of crop to work with and that's helping keep a lid on where prices can go. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of a reaction did you get from the, the group up there when, when you were going through the numbers? I got a feeling it was a lot of meh, ho-hum, wasn't it? Well, it sort of was, uh, yeah. but I, you know, at least I got to walk them through yeah. sort of, okay, this is what we're seeing. This is what they, you know, we tend to change. Let's face it here in December, I told them, you know, the idea is this report almost never changes supply, although we did see up in the cotton side. Right. But the idea is typically this is a demand-based report. And as you mentioned, the idea is USDA didn't find a lot of reasons to change demand. Right. Okay. Let's start on soybeans because there were no changes on the supply side. There were no changes on the demand side. Uh, but you got to look at the South American numbers in Brazil in particular, I think, this year. They took two, the USDA took two million off the projection of the 23-24 crop, but made a record crop from last year even more of a record by adding two million tons to it. I, I gotta believe Chad there are they, what are they doing? They're looking at the amount of beans that that Brazil has exported and said basically had to say, wow, it, the crop was bigger than what we thought it was, right? Well, I think they had to do that and, and you're right. The idea is they added to that record crop from 2022, but let's face it, even with the downgrading with what they did in 2023, they're still talking about the 23 crop being slightly bigger than what Brazil times. got in 2022. So in the grand scheme of things, as you mentioned, the idea is add to here, subtract to there. When it comes to the world balance sheet, from a Brazil perspective, it didn't move. Right, right. Now, if we would put Conob's estimate or even Agrural's estimate in there, we would be down year to year now. Right. Um, that, that changes my attitude a little bit, Chad. Well, I think it should. And and this is where I'll give, you know, USDA some credit. So if you look at the, I, I love the slides that USDA releases when they oh, release yeah. the WASDE. And if you go through that as a lot of concentration on what they're seeing in Brazil and why they've sort of stuck the numbers where they are. Right. But yeah, we're looking at that, you know, especially, you know, center and center west part of the country. They have had significant drought there. We know that that's created some problems there. But again, it's sort of, you know, I've used the parallel of we sort of had a similar sort of discussion for our crops here over the past few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drought's yeah. been around, but it hasn't been as big a production hit as we were expecting for the last few years. And I'm wondering if USDA is sort of factoring that in as they look down at Brazil. Yeah. Yeah, it it, it certainly makes me wonder how reactive or sensitive the market might be to some dry conditions this spring in the U.S. The way that we've made crops the past couple of years with some dry conditions. And, you know, it's not just dry down in, in, and I know that you know this, but those very heavy rains in the southern part of the country, if we had those in May and June in central Iowa, it'd just be a swamp. But, mm-hmm. but down there, eh, they move water a little bit quicker than what we do, don't they? They do. And, you know, and I think in this case, too, I mean, having talked to, you know, a lot of farmers here across the state of Iowa, at least over the course of the past couple of weeks, 
you can tell that they recognize they used a lot of subsoil moisture up yeah. with the 2023 crops here. And they're worried about that as we look forward into 2024. Right. That, hey, you know, part of the reason we've been able to produce and we haven't seen is those big drought impacts on production is because of what we've been able to pull from the soil over the past few years. Well, that savings account's running pretty low again right now. Yeah. Okay. You know, on the balance sheet, if 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 there was an outlier of a chance for a change on the demand side, it would have been in the export number. Um, do you, are you seeing enough evidence? We had another bean sale announced this morning to China. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing enough evidence that we could start to move that bean export number to the upside just a bit? I think we could, and you're right. It's been basically, I'd say, when you look at the data for the last four weeks, yep, we've seen some encouraging signs, and they keep, you know, dribbling in here. But, you know, and it's it's a point to what we saw in corn and wheat with the, the adjustments today. The idea is that USDA is watching those weekly numbers. They've been seeing that, let's call it slow growth. And if it builds up over a long enough time, at least what I'd say today's report showed is they're willing to react and, and push that export number a little bit higher. Yeah. Okay. You know, the guys up there in the area that you were at today, they're, they've got some expanded crush capacity up there, don't they? They do. And, you know, a lot of them are looking to go, all right, or why are we adding this? So we actually spent probably 20 minutes talking about, you know, adding crush facilities across not only Iowa, but, you know, we've been adding several across the nation and how that's sort of pointed towards the idea of renewable diesel, continuing to use more of our soybeans here within the country, as opposed to exporting it. Right. When when I look at how the facility over at Shell Rock, Iowa, which is not too far from me, has changed the dynamics up here in Northeast Iowa, Chad, and there's, you know what, there, there are other issues at play right now. You know, I'm thinking about the low river levels mm-hmm. over on the Mississippi and, and the, the higher cost of moving product down, down the river right now. But the, the shell rock crush plant is pulling away from the river market over at Clayton and, and, and other areas. So, that that competition and that increase in capacity, they've got to be excited about what that means for their basis, aren't they? Oh, yeah, they definitely are. And yeah. I, I've related this back to, you know, I think 20 years ago when ethanol was first starting out. Yes, That's the deal. Perfect. When you locate those ethanol plants, it's that same sort of deal. If you can add more local demand, it helps not only raise the basis levels, but arguably it raises those local pricing levels that we can yeah. capture. Yep, 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 yep. You know, when they were figuring out where to put those ethanol plants, remember the uh, basis maps, Chad? Oh, yeah. And you find that black hole uh, in basis and just say, boy, there's the spot. Drop one in that hole, and all of a sudden everything smooths out. I remember Essex. Essex, Iowa, forever was the black hole of basis for the state of Iowa down in southwest Iowa. They put that ethanol plant close by. And boom, everything yep. leveled out and, and smoothed out. So it, you got to expect the same it. thing from the crush plant. From the crush plants, got to. Well, that's the we do, and that's the, that's why when you're looking at where these are locating, it's 
it's yeah it's starting to pull more beans away from the river you know even like yeah. you look at you know where we're at in them nationally and there's a few going up in like north dakota and yeah. that's not an area that traditionally has been strong in soybean production but they are now and this is going to help solidify that because again you're creating that local demand in the area that will help hold that crop right. in that area right right excellent excellent any last thoughts on soybeans before we get to the break well i think as we're looking here the other thing you know i'll point to 2024 okay beans based upon everything i've been hearing and seeing from farmers and from usda's first shot at 2024 projections beans is going to be the winner in terms of the land grab coming up next year okay you know we're going to talk a little bit more about those 2024 markets before we wrap things up i'll get your ideas on what that acreage mix might look like as we as we uh, make our way toward the march perspective planting report usda report day here on agritalk and here with me to help break it down, Chad Hart, Iowa State University Extension Crop Marketing Specialist. Now, no change on soybeans, but increased export demand for the feed grains, for corn and for wheat. We'll find out if that changes the story, changes the narrative for the corn market. We're talking with Chad next. Council. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and recap today's price action. March HRW wheat futures six and a half cents lower, six sixty one. March SRW wheat down ten and a half cents to six thirty one and three quarters. March corn futures two and a half cents lower at four eighty five and a half. May corn down two cents at four ninety seven and a half. January beans seven and three quarter cents lower, thirteen oh four. March beans down seven and a quarter to thirteen twenty three. March cotton, 115 points lower at 81.44. February live cattle, 320 higher at 165.72 and a half. January feeder cattle jumped five dollars, two and a half cents, to close at 215.30. February lean hogs, a buck 20 higher at 68.97 and a half. Give Pro Farmer a try. Go to tryprofarmer.com. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest. Timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on AgriTalk with Chip Flory. 
Thanks for sticking with us here on AgriTalk. We are in the middle of a conversation with Chad Hart, Iowa State University Extension Crop Marketing Specialist. Um, Chad, let's jump over to wheat real quick. It's been fun to see daily export sales announcements for wheat. It's been a long time since that's happened, man. It has been, and that's the deal. I think as we're looking there, you know, whether I'm looking at wheat or corn, it's been good to see that growth that we're having there. Yep. The markets have definitely needed it, but I'd say the market reaction today was, yeah, it's moving in the right direction, but it's not big enough to really yeah. keep us at those higher levels of pricing that we'd like to go get. Right, right. Um, why, you know, this week alone, we will get it in the export sales report for the week ended December 7th. It'll come out next Thursday. Uh, this week alone, China booked over 1.1 million metric tons of SRW wheat. Uh, what's going on in China? Or are they just having a difficult time sourcing it from other spots? Well, I think they're having a difficult time sourcing it from other spots. That also probably tells me that their wheat crop was weaker than, than yeah. we thought it was. And so I think when you're looking at China, typically they are, let's face it, they are the biggest producer in the world. USDA didn't move their production numbers, but I think their trades that they're making are signaling. I think that that number is going to have to come down in future months. Yeah, I was just going to go look at that number. I'm glad that you did because I didn't. I I, I hadn't run over there to look at it yet. So um, if, if we've put a low into the wheat market, it makes it a whole lot easier for the corn market to work to the upside now, doesn't it? It definitely does, you know, and, and because I, I think that's the deal. Both markets have been looking to find that floor and then trying to bounce off of it here. And so that's the deal. I, I've been talking to a lot of folks on the corn side about watch those export sales. As long as we continue to slowly eat away and climb back up to our five-year average, you got to be encouraged that, hey, we are starting to see more of those international sales that help put us a good, strong floor underneath both of these feed grains. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And the the way that they got there, they increased the SRW export estimate by 30 million ton and a little bit of an offset took 5 million off the white wheat estimate. I know mm -hmm. that doesn't make the, the growers up in the PNW very happy, but with the, I, I don't know, do we call it a surplus of, of SRW stocks? Are we still at that point? Well, I, I think we are still at, at that point where we had enough that we could price and, and try to gain back that market share. And I think that's right. something a lot of the crop markets have faced here. You think back over the past two, three years, U.S. prices have been strong relative to our export competition out there. Right. Now we've pulled back a bit. We're in a much more competitive pricing scenario here, and it's opening up a few opportunities. Right. You know, that's a great point. The, the fact that we had, uh, a comfortable enough stock situation that we could go hunting for demand. And that's, that's, I think is, is a great way of putting it. Um, I don't know how much longer we can be doing that though, when we've got carryover now on soft red projected at 118 uh, million bushels. I'm okay. Here we go. I finally got to it. Uh, a year ago, the carryover was 148. Mm-hmm. So that's the deal. We are tightening it down. Um, but let's face it, we had to get that tightened down in order yep. to have any potential upward pressure to build up here. 
Right. Um, you know, I think overall, when you're looking at the wheat complex as a whole, we're still carrying bigger ending stocks overall. But as you yeah. mentioned, certain quality, certain varieties, that's where we're running short. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, tw- they, they, we, we talked about it briefly in the last segment. They made a move on corn exports, pushed it up $25 million, uh, brought the carryover down. That was a little bit of a surprise to the market. But like you said, the the market, its reaction was very mundane. It just it's kind of a, okay, been there, done that. What do you got for me next? Oh yeah, well that's the deal. We took twenty five million out of it, but we still know we're roughly seven hundred seventy million more bushels than we had the year before. Mm-hmm. So it's a small move in the right direction. Right. Right. And then USDA made no change on the Brazilian corn crop peg. Left it at 129 million. I, it, there, there, there are some private estimates are way, way, way under 129 million. Chad. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think here's the case of not only are we watching to see what those weather conditions are doing to the growing crop right now, but how does this trip up the next? turn of crops down there yeah because again when you're looking at brazil there's always that next crop coming right you know almost immediately afterward right. so does this mess up the timing for a while especially on that second crop corn that brings that number way down right right okay what does this all mean for the corn market what are your thoughts going into the the first quarter of the new year well that's the as i'm looking at this i'm i'm gonna describe it this way I think the first couple of months we're going to, you know, continue to struggle here a bit, but that export number, I'm looking for those to continue to grow up enough that where by the time we get to March or April, maybe we've got that seasonal run still in us and these additional sales will help provide that bounce that we can have there. When I'm looking at like soybeans, I think we start climbing up earlier though, just because it is a much tighter domestic crop situation than we're looking at there. Okay. So thoughts thoughts on 2024 acreage mix. Where well, where's your head at right now? Well, I, I'll I'll start off with where USDA put their head when they looked at 2024, and this would have been, you know, they would have been creating these in October. So to to give you some frame of reference as to what they were staring at in the marketplace. They were saying corn's going to lose 4 million, dropping down to 91 million acres. Mm-hmm. Beans was going to gain three and a half, getting up to 87. They had wheat losing one and a half million, so down to 48. And they had cotton gaining 1.6 to get up to around 11.7. And I got to admit, I'm, I'm like, I like the, let's call it the pattern movements they're saying there. I think we could see even a little more swing, um, especially as I'm looking at towards the oilseed crops. When I'm looking at soybeans, and I know when I, I got to take my annual pilgrimage to Fargo, I spent a lot of time talking to the North Dakota farmers up there about not only soybeans, but canola, sunflowers. They're looking at anything that's on that oil seed, creating protein and oil yeah. um, as they're looking for demand for 2024. Yeah. Yeah, boy, with that crush capacity up there and their willingness to move acres from one crop to another well not just willingness but ability mm-hmm. to to move acres chad i that swing area i've been i've been hesitant to go along with the 91 and the 87 thinking more in the range of a 92 and a half and maybe a 86 
something like that. Um, and But when you look at those swing acres up there in the Dakotas, boy, they can move quick, can't they? They can move quick. And like I say, you know, what, what I was sort of intrigued by is, you know, I was expecting the soybean discussion, but when we start talking more canola and sunflowers, that tells me they are looking at, you know, going back to, let's call them the traditional alternatives up there. Yeah. So I think that could lead to maybe soybeans doesn't gain as, as much because they may, you know, we may see a broader distribution when we look at the Dakotas more like they used to have. When you think about it, that I used to describe North Dakota as the, you know, the, the, the state of 20 crops. Yeah. They were growing everything. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they've sort of, you know, over the past few years turned more like Iowa where it was more corn and soybean focused. Yeah. This says maybe they're going back to that more yeah. diversified crop mix. Yep. Well, they're making a point. Those crush facilities up there are not a soybean crush facility. They are an oilseed crush facility. And, that is uh, definitely the case. Yep. Yep. They're they're going to be able to take multi-crops in there and, and make oil. So whatever's making the most oil per acre is probably going to be the the crop that they're going to end up crushing the most, right? Yep, that would uh, that's a deal. That would be the leader yep. out there for the for the clubhouse as we look at planting for twenty four. Okay, so when it comes to marketing twenty four crop corn and soybeans, what do you want guys thinking about? Well, at this point, I, I tell folks it's it's one of these deals of there's no reason to get in a big hurry right now on twenty twenty four. You know, traditionally, seasonally, we tend to see prices try to work their way up from here until we get into the springtime. But I am also looking at, you know, the possibility of, I think, you know, if I'm looking for which crop's going to move first, I'm going to argue soybeans because that wants to buy acreage right now. And that tends to mean I'm going to see that price be a little stronger as we go through February into March. But if they get the acreage, then that tends to weaken it as we move in April and May. Mm -hmm. Corn's on the opposite perspective, probably looking at losing acres here. And so it will strengthen more after the, the March report than before it. Okay. All right. And in the meantime, South American weather, Brazilian weather, even more than South American. I mean, we've got to stay focused on Brazil, right? Definitely. I mean, especially when it comes to yeah. beans. I mean, you know, you look at that, you know, again, that production number that we're looking at down there, you know, 160 million tons, <laughs> which puts it, you know, roughly 50 million above what we produce. And so we're talking about the potential for some fairly large swings, especially given the extremes and weather that they've been seeing. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, that is going to be the determining factor for us. No doubt about it. Man, I know you got a bunch of meetings coming up this year. Be safe out there on the road, okay, buddy? All right. Have a great week, Unplugged. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do my best. I'll do my best. That is Chad Hart, Iowa State University Extension Crop Marketing Specialist. Okay. Uh, like I said at the start of the show, I'm going to talk a little bit about the cattle market when we come back. I'm going to go over the global numbers, the global carryover numbers. Uh, the month-to-month, -month, and more importantly, the year-to-year -year changes there. And then, of course, we'll take a look at the 6-10 to 10 and 8-14 to 14 day next here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. 
FullScale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about FullScale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. I don't know what you're thinking. So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. I'll tell you what I was thinking about during the break. 161 million metric tons. A year ago, 160 million metric tons out of Brazil soybeans. Uh, this year, expected, still expected to top it by a million tons. There are private estimates that are under that. That is 5.915 billion bushels. 5.915 billion bushels man uh, that's uh that is a lot of soybeans and a huge supply coming into the market uh every year so wow what does that do to our global carryover estimates and and uh outlook global soybean carryover for 2023-24 million metric tons that's down 300,000 metric tons from last month but is up 12.3 million ton from last year. So we've got the month-to-month trend going in the right direction, but the year-to-year is in the wrong direction and in the wrong direction in a, in a big way. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to pull from the S&D is the national on-farm cash price projections for the markets. Soybeans, twelve dollars and ninety cents for twenty three twenty four. That is unchanged for uh, that is unchanged from November. On corn, the global carryover for twenty three twenty four, three hundred fifteen point two million tons. That's down two hundred thirty thousand metric tons from last month, but is up fifteen point one million ton from last year. So again. We got the month-to-month trend going in the right direction, but the year-to-year is in the wrong direction and in a big way. The national average on-farm cash corn price for the current marketing year, $4.85. That is unchanged from November. Now, uh, wheat. This is a big, this is a, uh, an attitude changer. The global wheat carryover for 23-24, million tons. That's down 490,000 metric tons from last month. And 11.7 million metric tons below year ago. So we've got the month-to-month trend in the right direction. We've got the year-to-year trend in the right direction and in the right direction in a big way. The China numbers are stinky. Uh, they they there's something wrong there um they, they 
they wouldn't be buying wheat as aggressively as they are buying wheat, not just from the U.S., but they wouldn't be buying wheat as aggressively as they are if they had stockpiles as heavily as suggested. So there's something stinks there. And uh, I, I would imagine that over time we're going to see some sort of a revision to the numbers. Now, why down 490,000 uh, metric tons from last month? USDA raised its Australian and Canadian wheat crop estimates by nearly 2 million metric tons, and that was just partially offset by a 1 million metric ton cut to Brazil's crop. But when you increase your offtake, uh, that's when you start to pull down that carryover uh, from month to month. Real quick on cotton, I mentioned it in the news. They took 18 pounds per acre off of the, yeah, they took 18 pounds per acre off of the national average cotton yield, left the harvested acres unchanged, cut 310,000 bales from the U.S. crop. Now, on the global side of things, carryovers projected at 82.4 million bales for the current marketing year. That's up 800,000 bales from last month, but still 430,000 bales less than a year ago. So basically steady, basically steady on carryover there. Um, I said at the start of the show that we would come back and talk about what's going on in the cattle market a little bit. Um, oh, wheat. I didn't mention the wheat price uh, for national average on-farm cash wheat price, $7.30. That's up a dime from last month. Cotton price, uh, we are looking at $0.77. Cents. That is unchanged from November. What a week in cattle trade. Unbelievable. We had a $5 rally in January feeder cattle today, and that got us up $0.87 cents on the week. It, it The way that that January feeder cattle market went down and beat on support at 210 and that support held into the end of the week, it, we're probably, with the volatility that we've got in the market right now, I will not be surprised if we don't go back down there and test that, but... Boy, it is lining up and looking strong at just under that 210 level in January feeders. If that can hold for another week, it would it would go a long ways toward proving that that market is at least done going down. Doesn't mean that it's got to go back up, but it, it, it would prove that it's done going down. Today, heavyweight choice graded box beef prices this morning uh, were $1.54 lower, but movement was fantastic. Again, we had 119 loads of beef move this morning. So really good movement. Price has been pulling back uh, on the heavyweight choice graded boxes. But nonetheless, the, the simple fact that we continue to, um, to, to move product is certainly encouraging for what we might see coming out of the Christmas features. Okay. National Weather Service, 6 to 10-day outlook for December 14th through the 18th. Above normal temperatures expected across the entire Midwest. We got below normal precipitation expected in the upper Midwest and in the eastern Corn Belt. So Iowa, Illinois, Indiana is included in that. Nebraska, you're in the near normal on the precip. The 8 to 14 day, let's jump over there. This is for December 16th through the 22nd. 
Above normal temperatures expected over the entire country. The exception is far southern Texas. It's just, wow. Warm temperatures uh, ahead of us. And below normal precipitation expected over the upper Midwest, near normal in southern Iowa, southern Illinois, southern Indiana on the precip outlook. As I said, I'm going to be, Chad said it perfectly, I'm unplugging for a week. Got to take a little time away. Uh, get out in the timber and relax. Uh, so next week, Davis, Michelson, and Michelle Rook will be here to keep the conversation going for you. Be safe out there, everybody. This is Agritalk.